Hello and welcome to a brand new podcast right here at manxradio.com. Mark Tiley, the nation's station, Manx Radio. Another week of my tunes, and we could have a night in the museum. But maybe not. Or we could talk about restoring amazing Land Rovers. Whichever way we turn, my guest all this week is Ivor Ramsden, MBE. Welcome to my tunes. Thanks, Mark. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, you know, I thought you'd been on. This is this is the embarrassment thing. When you got your MBE, and we'll talk about that, what, three years ago, wasn't it? Mm. I'm sure I thought, oh, Ivor must have been on the show. He wasn't. Well, I'm making up for lost time, but only just. So let's talk about you. Now, you're not from round these parts originally, are you? I'm not. I'm a Yorkshire lad oh, by yes. birth. Yeah, uh, ancestors going back to about 1700 in my local village. But uh, wow. came to the Isle of Man because it was a nice place to live and a nice place to work. And you came across to do what? Uh, I was a trading standards officer, weights and measures inspector. Um, so I worked for local government in West Yorkshire. Um, came over to do the same job here for the Isle of Man government. And that was when, either? That was, oh dear, way back in 1991. Oh, so it's been a while. Just a while, yeah. Well, you must like it, because you're still here. Indeed. You're still here. Now, the MBE came about primarily due to the museum, didn't it? It did, yeah. It came about as an enormous shock. <laughs> Yeah, that was in 2019, I think, when I was actually told that I'd been sort of nominated for it, and uh, it, it was stunning, really. I, uh, you know, it feels a bit of a fraud getting a, a, an honour for doing something that you enjoy doing. It's, you know, it, it involves, I won't say no effort, but it's, it's so easy because I love doing it. And it's a wonderful museum, full title being the Manx... The Manx Aviation and Military Museum. Aviation and Military Okay. When was it set up? The museum opened in uh, 2000. We'd been planning it for some time, but it was a case of finding uh, suitable premises, and uh, the Department of Transport, as it was then, offered us our present building, which we snapped up because it was in a perfect spot, right on the airport, right on the main road. Um, So we took it on, refurbished it, and uh, assembled the museum. Over the years, we've had to extend three times, and really, we could do to extend again. It was an amazing work put in for the uh, commemoration of the First World War. You must have got an awful lot of visitors through that. It has proved very popular, yeah, and our visitor figures grow year on year. But certainly, the, the World War One exhibition has proved to be a, a very moving one. People come out of there in, in tears quite often. Yeah. And, uh, it sounds a bit evil, but I like that because that's how it should be. It was an appalling, appalling conflict, and I shed a number of tears while I was putting it together. And when did this interest in military history start for you, <clears> Oh, dear. I suppose as a kid I used to build airfix kits, hang them from the ceiling and shoot at them with catapults <laughs> or whatever. Then it faded away with marriage and children. But when we moved to the island, we uh, bought a house which had originally started life as a, a radio direction finding station for the airport. And that got me interested again in sort of aviation history on the island. And I sort of met up with a few other strange people who had similar interests. And eventually we realised we got the makings of a a museum because the subject, aviation and military history, wasn't covered anywhere else on the island. And that was it, really. That was way back in about 1994. So we got together, we started looking for a premises, and eventually we, we got one. 
and the story began. Yeah. Couldn't be better, right next to the airport. Our first piece of music from you, I, I knew the song, again, I think I told you when we were just having a cup of tea, I love getting introduced to new artists, artists I don't know, and you did that with your very first one. Tell me all about Sissel. Right, Sissel is a Norwegian lady with a virtually unpronounceable Norwegian <laughs> surname, which I've been practising all morning, so let me have a go. Shirshabur. Thank you. I'll take Maybe wrong, word. maybe no. wrong. All the Norwegian people on the Isle of Man are now be ringing in saying, get that idiot off. <laughs> but she's got the most lovely voice. She's the lady who did the soundtrack for Titanic. Not the uh, Celine Dion song itself, or songs themselves, but the opening theme. Lovely, lovely voice. And on my notes here, which I prepared earlier, it says, right now, this is the one I want to be playing as the final curtains come down. <laughs> it's such a lovely, lovely number. Well, I hope that doesn't happen. Not, not, the, <laughs> not, not for a while. Not for a while. And the title being? Like an angel passing through my room.
This week on My Tunes, my guest is Ivor Ramsden, MBE. We talked a lot yesterday about your wonderful museum, Ivor, and uh, I guess it, it, it is a collective of uh, willing souls that help you make it work. It is, yeah. It's, it, people call it my museum, and it's not. It is a group of us, you know. I mean, yeah, fair enough, I put most of the exhibitions together, but we, I do rely on a lot of other people for support, for staff in the place, uh, for abusing me when I appear to get things wrong. Not that I ever do. Oh, of course not. Um, so, yeah, it's a joint effort, and that's another reason why I think the MBE was a bit of a swizz, because it, it should have been a joint award to well, everybody. Well, you can't chop it up now. It's too late. Um... I've known you for 16, some years. And uh, there's one thing, uh, dear listener, you should know about Ivor. He loves Land Rovers. And uh, at one stage, you had more Land Rovers than all the dealerships in the northwest of England put together. <laughs> but not necessarily all working at the same time. Indeed. A lot of them were what you might call spares saucers. Yes. Um, yeah. They, I think my son and I peaked around about 80. Yes. Um, yes, as I say. Not, 80. Not 80. 80. Yeah, 80. Okay. Yeah, which is rather a ridiculous number. It, the number has been cut down significantly now. But, yeah. So, yeah. But a lot of them will be restored, provided I live to the age of about 300. Where does this passion for Land Rovers come from? I haven't the faintest idea. <laughs> um, the earliest thing I can think of is that somewhere in our family archives I've got a picture of me as a small child looking at a, a very shiny hubcap of a Rover motor car with a, a fancy badge in the middle of it, which obviously sowed a seed of interest in Rovers, although I was only about two at the time. But ever since I was, what, about 18, I've, I've had Land Rovers and... Uh, I was trying to make them look nicer than they were when I got them. Unbelievable. What we, okay, I'm going to ask you a Land Rover question. Your favourite Land Rover ever built? I do like the very early ones, the ones dating from 1948-49. They're so basic, uh, there's very little to go wrong with them, and they've stood the test of time. There's still a phenomenal number of them still around. In fact, the numbers are growing year on year. So, yeah, a fine machine. I thought of you the other day when I saw something I'd never seen on the Isle of Man, and even looking across your acres of Land Rover bits, a Land Rover ambulance on the Isle of Man, a military ambulance on the Isle of Man. Yeah, well, Land Rover did build quite a number of uh, yeah. ambulances for the military. Um, I don't know that any are still in service now. Uh, a lot of them are in private hands. Uh, restored as ambulances, or they make a good camper as well, so I'm Well, told. I think this one was uh, a visiting camper. Yeah, yeah. And I thought, where's Ivor when I need him? <laughs> Get him over here. So do you drive one yourself? I only drive a modern thing, a Discovery. Well, it's 20-odd years old, but it's modern to me. It's reliable. It does the job. I don't think I'd be too keen on having a more modern one, though. <laughs> no, no. What about the new Defender? Um, yeah, what about it? Oh, no, 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 I'm I'm a sort of old fogey now. It's not a proper Land Rover. (laughs) There you go. 
I love doing this bit of the radio programme. I'll tell you why. The journey for the music is fantastic. I know this piece of music like the back of my hand. However, until today, I didn't know what it was called and I didn't know who was playing it. Take me through this beautiful piece of music, Isla. Right, well, this is a number called I Giorni by Ludovico Ainaudi. And I, I don't know if I've pronounced his name right. But it's it's one of those things, nobody's ever heard of the name of it, but everybody knows it when it's played, and it has a special place in my heart. Would you tell us why? Well, a friend of mine is a pianist, he's Hungarian, and he, he, he busks in Malta. And I asked him to come over to play the piano at my daughter's wedding a few years ago, but well, back in 2018. And by my daughter's request, I, he played this number while I was walking her down to the wedding room and it's very moving, very moving. Thank you. 
This week on My Tunes, my guest is Ivor Ramsden, MBE. And so far, I have been absolutely open-mouthed at the musical choices. Beautiful. Never been on My Tunes before. Somebody will be singing today who I do know, which is sort of like a, a marker in the sand. You, you give me comfort on day three. But uh, I'm, I'm loving this. You, you've got a very diverse musical taste, haven't you? Well, when I was asked to come on the show, I must admit I've had a list of favourite tunes on my laptop for a long, long time. It's, I've only managed to get it up to 25, which is quite restrained for me. And then to whittle it down to five, awfully, awfully difficult. But this one was, in modern parlance, a no-brainer. It's Roberta Flack singing the first time ever I saw your face. Well, well, we'll come to her and that song a little later. I want to talk about you, because you mentioned a friend who plays the piano. Can you play anything? <laughs> Good question. I'm embarrassed to say I'm an utter imbecile as regards music. I come from a musical family. My grandfather was a musician. My father was a musician. My mother was a musician. And I'm not. I deeply, deeply regret not taking up music at an early time in my life. So was it something you just didn't get engaged with, or did you start and then stop? I wasn't engaged, no. My dad did try to teach me the violin at one stage, but I don't. I think he'd lost interest by then. He was quite old, and uh, I just didn't do it, didn't stick to it. If you could now, and if you wanted to start learning an instrument, what would it be if you could think, I'd love to play this, what would this be? Hmm, good one. I would like to be able to sing, actually. I think the human voice takes a lot of beating. Not to be a famous opera singer, but just to be able to string a few notes together would be nice. And my partner, Elaine, tells me that I've got a nice voice, but I rarely use it other than to grumble. <laughs> wait, wait, you're a Yorkshireman. What, what, what does she expect? What does she expect? Let's have this track, this beautiful song. And you've chosen the wonderful Roberta Flack. the earth 
Ivor Ramsden, MBE, Manx Aviation and Military Museum, not on his own, with a hearty band of many men and women with him. Uh, we will have a military song later today to finish off this bit, but there will be more, dear listener, from Ivor on the podcast, which will be released to the waiting world around about five past twelve later on today. We mentioned the World War One exhibits, which have been hugely popular. What are the plans to take it forward now? Well, we're very much constrained by lack of space. Um, I would like to extend the museum, but it would cost a phenomenal amount of money. Some of the exhibits are, or the exhibitions are looking a bit dated now, so I do want to refurbish those. But it all takes time. It's, there's hours, an amazing number of hours of work going to uh, redesigning the displays and, and everything. And invariably, you put a new display together, and the following weekend, somebody brings some piece of treasure into the museum, which really does deserve to be on display so you have to start again go back then start from scratch but we welcome new objects all the time and we do get new objects all the time which is brilliant so how do they come about where do people find them in the attic in the garage um family members pass away and you know people clear in the house and find what may be to junk to them but is absolute treasure to us and it's uh, it's a never-ending supply it's wonderful it's a very different sort of museum to the ones you get in Guernsey and Jersey, where, of course, they were occupied, so they have a very different focus on the Second World War than we do, or indeed the First World War. But the role that Manx 
soldiers and airmen and uh, the whole forces played is is quite fascinating, isn't it? It's very, very broad. Yeah, we had Manx people in all the armed forces. They were in the Merchant Navy. Uh, and, of course, on the home front as well, we'd got, to people working for the war effort but I must stress we are not a war museum we no. cover aviation in all its forms civil and military it's a massive massive remit really and we, we need to be bigger we've got to talk about the aeroplanes that the easiest way where is this museum look for the Manx Airlines <laughs> How did you get the second one? Tell me about that. Well, that actually belongs to a separate trust, um, which is set up to preserve this particular aeroplane, which is a, a, an ATP, a British Aerospace Advanced Turboprop, uh, also sadly known as another technical problem. Um, oh, cool. Nice nice aeroplane, built like a tank. Uh, they should still be flying. In fact, a lot of them are still flying in East Africa. But that one was donated to the, the trust um, by West Atlantic, who were operating them as freighters. Um, it was refurbished, not by me, I have to say, by a group of people uh, in the hangar um, on the airport, which is sadly no longer there. And it was dragged into our museum area a couple of years ago. The plan is to reinstall the interior, all the passenger seats, and then people can get on board and sit there making engine noises and reliving their flights with Manx Airlines. Absolutely wonderful. And the first one uh, was there, oh, quite a while ago. That's been there a while since, good heavens, what, the mid, uh, 2005, I think we yeah. got that one, yeah. And that actually never flew with Manx Airlines, that's a bit of a cheat, but it looks pretty in the Manx <laughs> Airlines colour scheme. Oh, you've ruined that for me. Oh. <laughs> Always have a little look at that, sort of reflective look at it. We are going to finish this section with something from the Royal Air Force. Now, I'm glad you've chosen something military. Why this? Well, I have a family connection with this piece of music, the Royal Air Force March Past, uh, in that my grandfather, he served in the First World War in the in the British Army. Uh, he was a musician, he played the trumpet, and he was in the, the band of the Duke of Wellington's regiment, the West Riding Regiment. And in 1918, when the Royal Air Force was being formed, the powers that be set a chap on to harvest the most competent military musicians from the Royal Navy bands and also from the army bands and amongst them he picked me granddad and this this was a story passed down by my dad i didn't well, I didn't disbelieve it, but I've got no evidence to to show, other than the fact that my granddad's medals have Royal Air Force embossed on the edge. And several years ago, a chap from Royal Air Force Music visited the museum, and I was chatting to him about this, and he said, leave that with me. And within a couple of days, he'd emailed me a photograph of the very first Royal Air Force band in 1918, and sure enough, there is my granddad. And it was the most moving thing I've ever seen. And he dug that photo out for you. He did, yeah. It was Super. wonderful. But to go on, my dad said that my granddad was on a train with Walford Davis, who was the guy who headhunted him. And Walford Davis is the guy who composed the RAF march. And I've got a vision of my granddad sitting next to Walford Davis, who's got his manuscript paper there, scribbling away, jotting down the notes, and my granddad looking at it, and a true Yorkshireman saying, Nay, lad, it doesn't want to go like that, it wants to go like this. <laughs> and then to sort of outline the tune. So perhaps my granddad had more to do with the RF march than we'll ever know. Well, we're going to hear it now, and uh, if you'd like a bit more of Ivor and me... <laughs> Either particularly, the podcast is coming out at just after 12 o'clock. There'll be some more music as well. But for now, thanks for a great week. Ivor Ramsden, MBE. Let's have... 
the RAF March past. Ivor, thank you. You're very welcome. Royal Air Force, March past, with a big family connection. If you were listening to the Thursday edition, the earlier edition, you'd have found out more about that. I do wonder if your granddad had a hand in writing that. It's a lovely thing to think, though, isn't it? it it's, it's impossible to verify, <laughs> isn't it? But, yeah, it would, would be nice to know. Definitely. Really, really would. Well, all throughout the week... I've loved the way the music has come from all different genres, all different countries, different different styles. And we're going to finish with something, again, that is so well known to a lot of people, but uh, maybe they don't quite know the history of it. So tell us a little bit about this last piece of music before we play it as our bonus track. I've forgotten which it is. As the often. <laughs> oh, right. yeah. yeah. Yeah, well, this uh, <coughs> this is uh, the Barcarolle from Tales of Hoffman by Offenbach. <coughs> Excuse me. It's it's just an absolutely sublime piece of music, and this particular version, uh, which is sung by Anna Natrebko and Elena Garancha, it, the 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 harmony is just beyond belief, and I can't listen to it without crying. It's just glorious. Well, can't say anymore. Before we make you cry, before we play, <laughs> tell me a little bit about the funding of the museum, because it, ostensibly it's free to go in. Yeah, it's free to, to enter. Um, we rely on donations, basically, and our visitors have been very, very generous over the years. Um, we get grant assistance uh, from the likes of the Manx Lottery Trust, for which we're very grateful, and, and other similar organisations. Um, but we do try to keep costs down by doing virtually as much as we can ourselves. Um, and it's nice to say that we've never actually been in dire financial straits. We've always been able to uh, pay for whatever we need. Apart from a new building, which will cost about half a million pounds, <gasps> that's another story. Ooh, is, <laughs> is that a serious project? I, well, it, it's yeah, it is um, an estimate, but 
setting up a museum, the actual glass display cases themselves, you know, you're looking between five and ten thousand pounds each. Wow. Um, I make my own. Yes. <laughs> Which costs virtually nothing. But yeah, yeah. They aren't quite museum quality, but uh, they cost about 50 quid as opposed to 5,000. Know. Oh, thank you for all the work. And can I just say, if you haven't been down to the museum, do it soon. It, you will not be disappointed. The two lovely aeroplanes I we mentioned during the week, they're, they're your signposts. In you go. And uh, it is. It is a glorious, glorious, very well-presented museum. Ivor, thank you again for coming in. You're very welcome. Thanks for having me.
Anna Trepko and Elina Garanka. I hope I got that right. With the beautiful Bar Carol. Chosen for us by Ivor Ramson, MBE. Thank you for joining us for this podcast, and I hope you enjoyed the little bit extra. I'll be back with the morning show, Monday to Friday, 9.30 till 12. Uh, Join me if you can. I'm Mark Tiley. Hope to catch you again soon.